1: hello and welcome to the celtics reddit podcast my name is ben ballas aka brutal gash thank you for joining us hope you're doing well we've got a new guest on the show today celtics reddit power user and fellow aussie aiden rosé aiden welcome sir how's it going
0: good man good thank you so much for having me it's a it's a long time coming so (laughs)
1: yeah absolutely uh and for those listening aiden and i actually met it was outside the or just inside the arena uh team usa versus i think it was canada right a couple of years ago seems like forever ago uh where we got to watch tatum and brown and those guys uh throw down so um this is like the next time I'm, i'm really talking to you since then so um feels like ages ago
0: yeah man i do i think it was just inside the doors maybe like just before the game a good or oh, year and a half ago maybe just under a year and a half ago but um yeah, yeah. a lot's changed since then in the, in, in the context <laughs> of the of the nba basketball in general and of course the celtics so um yeah it's interesting yeah
1: absolutely and now you're you're finally on the podcast so like you said long time coming so, the Celtics, they get a much needed win today, 120 to 111 against the Hornets after some shameful losses <laughs> against the Hornets uh, and OKC Thunder earlier in the week. Aiden, it's been a roller coaster of a season. Today we see a bit of an upswing, I suppose, with a, a fairly decisive win. What impact on your. I guess, overall expectations of the team did this particular game have, if anything?
0: Look, in my opinion, this game, it's an important win, especially, um, well, not just for the standings, but due to the head-to-head and the tiebreaker that um, we obviously need to get over Charlotte, as we are quite close to Charlotte in the standings. So um, I think we were one and one with them um, in the season, obviously the loss coming a few days prior. So I think that that was pivotal, but not only that, just to gain some um, confidence back as we have been on a bit of a rough skid. I think we'd lost three of the last four. Um, a lot of them very uh, easy wins at surface as it seems, but um, obviously, you know, it, it's it's been a rough stretch after a really, really nice stretch for the team. So um, yeah, I think in the context of the expectation moving forward, um, a lot hasn't changed into where I think the team is. Um, from today, if that makes sense, um, you know we were missing a few guys in a few of the uh, pr- uh, previous games, and I think if anything has become more clear, it's that when Jason is good and when Jalen is good, we are good, and we're, we're probably almost as good as anyone in the league when those guys are on and everything's you know firing right on all cylinders. But um, uh, it, it was good to it was good to get a win. I think we have another two two games at home before we have another road game, so. Um, yeah, yeah, it was good to see they 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 played really hard. Um, you know, even just from the eye test of the last few days. So yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. It's I mean, it's it's clear definitely at this point that when they play together, when they play hard, like they can essentially beat anybody. And really, just the question at this point is like, will they play hard, and when will they do that, and can they do that consistently? Certainly to close out the season and and to get a, a decent seed at this point going into the playoffs, but also to have any success in the postseason at all. Um, you mentioned right off the top there, Tatum and Brown. Jalen Brown, thirty eight points. Jason Tatum, thirty-five points, are the first pair of Celtics teammates to each record thirty-five points in a game since Paul Pierce and uh uh Wally Serbiak. Sorry, I had to pause for the pronunciation of that game. Wally there. Serbiak. Serbiak in November of two thousand and six. Um so it's wow. been a it's been a long time. But yeah, I mean if those guys are on our two all stars and they're playing well, then it almost doesn't matter who you put around them um they're going to succeed but it certainly helps if you put one particular guy around them i wanted to start off the podcast talking about aaron neesmith which i never thought we'd do leading off a pod with uh talking about neesmith but he had an insanely good game as opposed to the sub by a reddit user sneaky greens who posted aaron neesmith in his quote breakout game 31 minutes 15 points nine boards three blocks three steals uh w- what do you make of this neesmith performance today
0: Well, it's been really intriguing for Neesmith because in the first however many months of the season, or you could say the first half of the season, he didn't really get much playing time at all. And then over the last however many weeks or last month, month and a bit, you know, injuries, guys have had to step up. He's like slowly been making his way, getting minutes, you know, 10 minutes a game here, 15 minutes a game here. Um, I thought today he looked awesome on the defensive end, you know, three blocks. I think he had three blocks and three steals, which is unreal. Um, he looks to be figuring it out a little bit more than, um, than he looked to have previously. Uh, he's in the right spots on both, both ends of the floor. Um, most importantly, he's making his shots. Well, at least today, you know, I think he, he made half his shots or close to half his shots. He had some good looks in the corner. Um, I think he just, he looked, he looked locked in. Um, he looked, he looked more comfortable than he did previously. And I mean, hopefully for us, you know, we got Pritchard, who's been awesome the last few days, um, been good all season really, but, uh, to see Neesmith come out and have a performance like he did today, as we said, breakout performance, if we could see more of that moving forward, I mean, that's going to be invaluable to the team, you know, moving yep. into the post season. Um, and I'm happy for him because he, you know, he was a lottery pick, um, and coming in and, you know. Yeah. Not getting as much playing time, and then, and then looking at how he did today was uh, really nice to see.
1: Yeah, and you know we all expected to love him for his shooting, and suddenly we we love him for his almost Marcus Smart like qualities, right? Like he's coming in here, he's getting offensive rebounds, hustle plays, you know, steals on you know both ends of the court, and just doing all the little things where I think we all, you know, I'm not like a huge college ball fan. I don't know about you, but I I didn't. All I saw was the, the highlights sort of after the draft and a little bit prior when it sort of was rumored that the Celtics were going to draft him. And I expected this finesse shooter coming off screens, coming off like Ray Allen, you know, pinned down screens, <laughs> flaring off the wing and just popping these threes. And instead, he's doing everything but that. And uh, there was a Reddit user, not Brendan, who who posted in the, I think it was a postgame thread, Scal kept talking about how much the crowd loved Neesmith's energy and hustle and his big plays should help him gain lots of confidence. So perhaps there's it's like a coincidence or or not a coincidence rather that the crowd is back and then suddenly Neesmith is like elevating his game a little bit. So that was really good to see.
0: I think at Vanderbilt, he was like considered, you know, quote unquote, the best shooter in the draft. He was like a 50 odd percent three shooter. If I recall correctly, I could be wrong, which is like absolutely ballistic considering for the vast majority of college dudes like they they are like under in terms of their efficiency compared to the NBA guys. So it felt like like exactly what you said. We were going to get a guy who was just going to be this knockdown three shooter. But the fact that we've seen so much more and he's brought other things to the table um, when we've needed him to. Um, you know, especially in today's game is like a breath of fresh air. And I I think, you know, the crowd and Celtics, he kind of, he kind of just brings, he he looks like he has that Celtics like energy and that drive and that kind of hustle, you know, the Marcus smart comparison, um, in regards to his game today, I think was, was really on point because he, he was just kind of in the right spot at the right time. And, um. You know, those those dives and 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 running back and and getting I think he had had a really nice intercept towards the um, end of the game, which was awesome. And I think, you know, it's it's really good to see that from a guy like him, especially considering what was around his, you know, draft profile coming out of college.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jason Tatum after the game on was quoted on Aaron Neesmith's energy Quote, it's incredible. Aaron's a guy who literally is going to give his body up on every possession and run through a wall. He plays as hard as he can for as long as he's out there and it doesn't go unnoticed. Um, yeah, I mean, the the whole body on the line thing for, for Aaron Neesmith is definitely a factor. Like, he um, he definitely looks like someone who's going to throw himself into, like, a catastrophic injury at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of concerning. Yeah. But uh, I, I guess, like, to wrap that one up, it's the, the whole point on that is it's it's admirable to see a guy like throwing himself in lieu of his normal shooting ability. Like he's doing everything he can because he's, he's realized like, I haven't got the shooting touch yet in the NBA for whatever reason, I'm going to do literally anything else. And that's already endearing him to clearly the coaching staff. Like today he played over Grant Williams, who I think played one minute. We saw no Shemi, we saw no Romeo. Um, and so the coaching staff in this game for whatever reason is, is prioritizing Neesmith minutes, which is really great to see. Um, I'm trying to get sort of a better understanding, Aiden, of, like, why this game? Why would we look so good in this game compared to the OKC game and the the prior Charlotte game? So what else from this particular game stood out to you?
0: Um, one comment I want to make about the Charlotte game, the last Charlotte game, not the one, um, not the last one. Um, I watched probably... Like almost every second of that game, and every time those dudes, like every time Charlotte would like just fire off a three, it was like going in. I yep. mean, it was it was ridiculous. They couldn't miss. Terry was on. I mean, guys like Miles Bridges, PJ, like these guys couldn't miss. Um, I got a similar vibe from Devonte Graham today, which kind of scared me at one point. Yeah, like totally. he just couldn't, he just <laughs> couldn't miss. And I think that guy's like probably like barely six foot without shoes on. So seeing guys like that, I mean, they passed the ball tremendously, um, which is really admirable considering that Lamello and um, Gordon Hayward have been out for them. I think they're just a team that moved the ball a lot, um, try and get the best looks that they can. Um, I think today we just looked a little bit more locked in on both sides of the floor. I mean, you could see that right, right out the gate. Um, and that, that's kind of like everyone, you know, Jalen Brown looked awesome from the first quarter on both, both ends of the floor. Um, we we spoke about Nee Smith. We spoke about everyone else, and I mean, it's weird because we we have these games where guys don't look locked in, and you know everyone's critical and everyone's what's going on, what's going on. Like we're losing to you know like Oklahoma City on a back to back. Like those guys were coming. Ah, uh, those guys have been blown out by yeah. Philly the we night just before. Just played Philly
1: the night before. It's
0: insane to me yeah. that we lost to that team in those circumstances. And I know this sounds crazy. I'm saying this. Lou Dort didn't play the Philly game and I know Lou's a beast. But I mean, it, when you think about it, that that was almost like a surefire win. Those yeah. guys had lost 14 in a row. Um, and, you know, after those games, we're thinking, well, where is this team at? And then we look at a game like this and we see uh, the guys just look locked in. I mean, the Jays today looked unstoppable. Um and one thing that i always love to see from those guys especially jason because it's been something that previously i think he hasn't done as much um but when jason drives to the line and creates contact he 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 can get those calls you know i think he usually or he used to shoot about 4 free throws a game i think he shot about 8 today maybe 8 to 10 and when he's getting to the line like other you know stars in this league do um making those drives um you know doing what he can to create that contact he uh he's so much more efficient on the offensive end and in my opinion like he's he's almost this unstoppable player he's he's really unique in terms of his his frame the way he moves the way he can shoot how quick he is how how agile he is and i think um when those guys use that you know and push and push to the rim and in the oklahoma city thunder game i know jason didn't play that game but the guy's Didn't really do that. I I, I don't know if you kind of got the same thing. I mean, there's a lot of contested threes and um, OKC have guys that play really hard. I mean, you know, Baisley played well. Um, Pokashevsky, like these guys are good players. But I mean, (laughs) in the context of where we are and what we're trying to do, you know, that should have been an easy win. I feel like the guy should be moving the ball more, cutting to the rim more and trying to get the ball inside. Um, Seemed like we did that a little bit more. Against the hornets, and I think when our when our guys do that, especially the jays, um we perform much better on the offensive end
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Joe, uh, who is on this podcast regularly, he's our New Zealand correspondent, uh, he has this concept of um, earned threes and earned buckets, and like you know you've got you've got to earn your your buckets and and the basketball gods will deliver them if you if you do enough to to sort of adequately earn them and um yeah, I mean today against the the hornets the the ball was zipping around they kept the turnovers down relatively speaking only 14 turnovers it's still kind of high in terms of league average but at this point for this celtics team keeping it below 20 i think is a win and and just just moving the ball around kind of like okc were doing against us the other night and and earning their threes you know the, the ball was going down tonight for the celtics because the ball was moving around and they were looking for the right shot and you know, making the extra pass. And even Tremont Waters, who got the start, you know, found Aaron Nesmith on a couple of really nice plays there. And it just felt like the buckets were earned and therefore they went in and, and therefore the game was won. So kind of unfortunately, it's like flash in the pan, lightning in a bottle for this particular Celtics team. It seems like they, they just can't do that night after night. But, you know, nine games left in the season. That's the sort of stuff they've got to be sort of, you know, trying to, to button down between now and uh, and the postseason. Um. Evan Fournier, I feel like we need to talk about because sort of is supposed to be a major component of this team. He should be the sixth man. You could argue he's in the top four or five. Um, came back from COVID, clearly struggling from, from you know, coming back from COVID and in his recovery there. Brad Stevens was quoted after the game. He won't make this excuse referring to Fournier, but he's dealing with some of the aspects of it. He's dealing with a little wind wise. He's feeling foggy. He's frustrated by it for sure. And and just that, that word foggy, that, you know, he's coming back from this disease that we still don't know a lot about, even though it's like all of the news that we read about every day, the the idea of coming back and you're already winded, you're already, you're lacking conditioning because you've been off the court for two weeks, but also there's like a mental uh, factor as well, where you're just, you've, your mental clarity is diminished as well. I just can't imagine going through that. And, you know, we've seen Jason Tatum go through that as well and I guess what we know from that what we've learned is that they do eventually come back do you you have that confidence with Fournier as well he sort of had some flashes there right before he went out with COVID do you sort of do you expect that production from Fournier towards the end of this season and and more importantly going into the playoffs
0: yeah with Fournier I do I do the when when he came in, he like the first few games he had with the Celtics, he obviously looked a bit out of place. Um, his shooting was off. I think he you know missed a bunch of threes, missed a, missed a lot of shots um, to start off. And Fournier was having a career year. I mean, I I wasn't too engaged with his season. I haven't watched Orlando um, that much apart from probably when they played the Celtics or their own yeah, TV games. You. But he <laughs> but but um, he he was. Um, he was having a really good year. He, he 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 was moving the ball. He like his playmaking. You know, I went back watched some highlights, and he he's like career highs in a lot of stats. You know, points. Um, he's been really efficient. Uh, everything. So I think it was a really underrated move by the Celtics to go for a guy like that. Um, and you know, feel like he can be a plug and play kind of guy, a guy who can cre- create his own shot. You know, um, probably score on most level most levels of the game. You know, get a bucket from anywhere on the floor. Um, good playmaking and he gets to the line as well. And I think him coming in, having that rough start and then that kind of finding his way, I think he had a few 20 point games or something before he went out with, uh, before he went out, went down with COVID. But I mean, seeing how Jason came back and how he struggled for a while, seeing, um, drew holiday had a pretty rough, um, Pretty rough stretch. I was uh, made very well aware of it as I have drawn my fantasy team. So <laughs> I was seeing a lot of, you know, two for nines and three for 13s uh, for a few weeks. So I think, look, I think in the grand scheme of things, Evan is going to be okay. The only thing I'm a little bit worried about is, you know, as you said, we have nine games left. Um, his role is obviously different than it was in Orlando this year. Um, I think he was taking like 16 shots a game, um, I think, you know, getting that same kind of, you know, getting those same looks and getting that same kind of production um, will obviously be hard, you know, due to the guys that we have on the team, but I think uh, in terms of the COVID struggle, once we hit the playoffs, hopefully, you know, and I know it's only a few weeks away, but um, I really believe Evan can be you know feeling feeling more like himself and looking like he did right you know right before he he got this thing because he, he was looking good for a few games
1: yeah absolutely and I love that we're calling him Evan like just Evan already like he's already on that first name basis kind of like you Kobe <laughs> or LeBron that's that's good to see that means it's being integrated and accepted by the fans so that's that's hey, great we,
0: we can't we can't google that last name he no. told us not to so <laughs> that's right
1: it's being redacted uh Time Lord finally returns, and just in terms of the recipe for why the Celtics looked looked good in this game, as opposed to the, the few games prior, the big man rotation of Time Lord and, and Tristan Thompson, I think, is really, really spicy, and it's a really sort of uh, dominant is the wrong word, but it's a it's a really effective um, big man rotation, and that there's not really, you know, like when Cornet comes in, he's 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 got flashes; he can occasionally hit the three, and he occasionally defend the rim with some vigor but for the most part it kind of looks like you know a a giraffe on ice skates or whatever the expression is um whereas this this rotation of of thompson and and time lord is just like solid consistently and today they had 12 offensive boards between the two of them and there's just not really ever a moment where you're like oh like shit i wish we didn't have this guy this big man on the floor they're always just solid so um with Time Lord back, you know, the the Celtics record with Time Lord as a starter is is really solid. And and, and talking about reasons for confidence going into the playoffs and, and trying to um to steer our minds away from these recent bad losses, does does that return of Time Lord again give you confidence in the team heading towards the postseason?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think Rob's uh, shown, or Time Lord, yeah, Rob. He's shown <laughs> uh, tremendous improvement over the last few months. Um, I think his defensive awareness has been the thing that I've seen the most improvement in. Uh, I remember the last few years, you'd see him on the floor, and it would kind of just be you know knowing where to be, being in the right spot, Sometimes being a, a little overexcited on defensive plays, and and he kind of gets beat by his guy, or he'd fall for pump fakes a lot. And those things, he's matured, and his feel for the game has improved proved uh, so much you know and in terms of that uh, front court depth and that center rotation I think you know as, as hard as it seemed at the time and regardless of you know that the cap issues and um, all of that you know trading he has been uh, kind of like a what's the word like a diamond diamond in the rough for us over the few years yeah um, I think we look really solid both those guys as in Tristan Thompson and Time Lord bring different things to the table I think Obviously, playing two of them uh, at one time really, you know, did some things wrong for us in terms of spacing the floor. And um, I think now playing one of those bigs allows them to go to work. Like it allows Tristan to go to work down in the um, in the low po- low post and and get the looks that he's kind of been used to his whole career. If that makes sense, you yep. know. And Daniel's not as much of a spot up shooter in the corner because that's not who he is. Um, I think it's the roles have become a lot more defined. Um, Tristan is a, is a center who's capable of playing 20, 25 minutes a game if need be. Cause I know we still aren't entirely sure of, you know, time Lords minutes. Um, as far as I'm aware, you know, he's not a guy who you can, you can just put him out for 40 minutes a game in a, in a playoff game or 35 minutes a game yet. Um, so I think, you know, having those two guys, it's exactly like what you said. Um, you know, Tristan, ironically, it's like the day after the trade deadline, <laughs> Looked so much better, yeah, I mean so much better on both ends of the floor um he's brought a lot in terms of the offensive rebounding because over the last few years, we've been a team who kind of hasn't had that identity if that makes sense, and um that's a breath of fresh air to have a guy like him, a vet like him with that kind of experience, and um, yeah, they both bring different things to the floor um they both you know kind of play similar minutes per game and i think you know it's 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 been it's made the front court a lot more clearer their roles a lot more defined um ever since the trade deadline and yeah i mean i'm i'm d- definitely confident going in with those guys man i mean rob is a unique hybrid of a player isn't he i mean you when you look at these stat lines i mean without even watching him play you'll see like 12 points 8 rebounds 7 assists 3 blocks and 3 steals and you're like who is this guy <laughs> like yeah yeah what, absolutely you know
1: Well, I mean, you talked about your fantasy team earlier. I was lucky enough to pick up uh, Rob Williams off the waiver wires. And uh, I'm very happy with it. I'm I'm in a dynasty league as well. So I I plan to hold on to him for for many years to come. But today he played just under 17 minutes and finished a plus eight. It was pretty impactful on the court. Uh, yeah, a couple of turnovers, which is to be expected. A little bit rusty after coming back after you know a little while off. But you know his usual stats: two steals, two blocks, nine boards in in his short time on the court, and uh, just his passing as well. You, you mentioned that maturity, Aiden, but really his passing game is is coming along, and he he does look like he might be able to fulfill that you know that Al Horford ish high post uh, dribble handoff, but also like play initiator out of the high post big man um and you know in staying out of the low paint and in that high post he kind of you know keeps the paint open for our wings like Tatum and Brown so uh really is looking like he's, he's gonna fit in well long term with the Celtics offense but of course he comes back one game we win that game fairly decisively couple of hairy moments in the third quarter and the fourth quarter with the the Hornets cutting it to you know three or five points there but for the most part um you know was, things were looking good um we should move on to Marcus Smart who did not play in this game Suspended for, quote-unquote, threatening language towards a referee. And uh, there's a Reddit user, uh, Agent00Leprechaun, who just made a post, threatening language, question uh, mark. And I've got the post right here. They go on to say, anyone know what Marcus said? Very curious how bad it was to qualify for a one-game suspension. Now, Aiden, I, I didn't get to watch a lot of the OKC game, uh, just due to work and family stuff. Um, did you see, was there a moment that stood out to you with Marcus Smart and the refs that you like was clear that he was going to be sus-
0: suspended for? Definitely not clear he was going to be suspended. I mean, I remember, I, th- I think it was late in the fourth. He got called for a foul that, I mean, you know, looked like it was a bit of a brutal call, to be honest. And he was arguing. He had kind of like a, maybe a menacing look on his face towards the ref. But I mean, threatening seems like a stretch. I don't <laughs> know what he said, but I mean threatening that's kind of a new one isn't it i mean what could yeah. he have possibly said to the way you'd convey that as a thre- threatening or threatening language or um, i'm quite curious myself i don't know exactly what he said
1: yeah like what would be more threatening than whatever the average nba player says in the heat of a moment when they disagree with the call like I, it, it must have been like pretty fucking bad right like it must have been a, a true yeah, like I'm, for- I'm
0: gonna i'm gonna <laughs> see you in the tunnel or something. Yeah, like that yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so- I don't know, but we didn't miss him today, thankfully, and uh to some degree fans, you know, at least fans on Celtics Reddit maybe needed a, a night off from Marcus Smart because, you know, with these games with Kemba missing and, and Tatum missing and Brown missing and Marcus Smart has been putting up more than, you know, maybe his allowed quota of shots per game and missing a lot of them as well, so it was maybe just sort of a mutually beneficial night off for, for Marcus Smart and, and fans of the team. So, I don't know. And the fact that we won the game as well, it's maybe a blessing in disguise. Um, yeah, definitely. Couple, definitely. A couple more things to run through here. Um, Peyton Pritchard in his last five games. Got the stats here uh, somewhere. Uh, here they are. Peyton Pritchard, uh, 24 minutes a game, 14 points on 46.8% shooting. Uh, Only a couple of assists per game, less than one turnover per game, uh, three-point shooting, 4.38%, and 92.3% from the line. And I think if you factored out his game today where he shot like, you know, two for eight, he'd be in that sort of 50-40-90 category. So Reddit user Jesus Christ twenty twenty wrote, No matter how rough the season has been, I'm so happy seeing our two rookies absolutely thriving and clutch time tonight. So obviously referring to Neesmith Smith and uh and Pritchard there. But uh yeah, Pritchard been absolutely awesome and he seems to have broken through that that rookie wall. Although multiple blood stoppages tonight for Pritchard that had to stop <laughs> the game twice to clean like blood literally off his face. So not only is he absolutely bowling statistically, but he's out there like just putting his body on the line. Both of these guys are and like to be drafted by the Celtics and play a rookie year, you know, for the Celtics and now in front of fans and to be, you know, putting your body on the line in Nismith's case and, and drawing blood out of your face and out of your nose, <laughs> getting back into the game, Steve Nashtar with a bloody nose for the Celtics, it just seems like just seems like an appropriate characteristic for, for new members of this team. So um very, very good to see. Um just get into sort of the miscellaneous points of the, this game and the last few games for, for the Celtics there, Aiden. Is there anything else that sort of stood out to you recently?
0: Yeah. Pritchard, Pritchard, I think, or was it the Nets game? He had 20, odd 20. He had 28 or something. He, he's, he oozes confidence out there. He has, you know, he has unbelievable range from a guy who's been in the league. And if you go back and you see him shooting back at uh, Oregon and what he was able to do there, he was taking shots from, like, almost the same range. Like, this guy oozes confidence. Uh, He has, like really tremendous uh, skill like a skills you know fundamentals for for a rookie I know he's you know been been in there three four years at, at Oregon and he might be a little older on the rookie side what is he like 22 23 yeah but I think for a guy you know he kind of reminds me a little bit of like uh maybe like the Cam Johnson pick of um of this year of, of sorry last draft if that makes sense like just a mature guy who has the fundamentals down pat um confidence but over the last you know few few games you know we might have lost a few of them but to see see him do well um kind of run the floor and been be that you know key spark off the bench for us um he's had some awesome games i mean he's an unreal shooter he can get to the rim uh, i think he you know for the most part he is a good decision maker that's been you know one of my favorite things of the season as well because he started off the season being like a 50 40 90 guy potential you know 50 40 90 guy over the yep. first 20 games or so um then i think he kind of you know had that bit of a rookie dip um but over the last few few weeks or for few games even that he oozes confidence he's playing at a level um he's playing with a swagger that i think is like quite unprecedented for a rookie especially someone who's so far back in the rotation you yeah. know if that makes sense um i mean he's got no problem like popping a three like i mean Sometimes it looks like almost two feet out of the from the arc and just pure confidence. I mean, that's a breath of fresh air for the team as well. So that's kind of been a highlight for me over the rough stretch, we could say, the past few games, as seeing Peyton look um, just like a real professional. I think he's going to be a key rotation um, piece for us moving forward. And I know this might... You know, sound like I'm jumping the gun a bit, but I would not be entirely surprised at all if in the next two years that he um, ends up starting for us and kind of has a bit of a trajectory like um, like Rob has, you know, like the Time Lord has has had.
1: Yeah, he's certainly shown that in the last few games. Where are you at with, you know, so he pulls the trigger from like three, four paces behind the three-point line. Like He has been doing that since he joined the team, but where are you at now with like being okay with him you know, maybe let's say making that shot with 12 seconds left on the shot clock while Tatum and Browder on the court. Are you, are you like completely okay with that now or are you still wishing that he sort of moved the ball?
0: <laughs> That's a tough question because <laughs> when he when he misses it and we lose by two, I'm going to tell you I'm not. But when, <laughs> when he takes it and he makes it, I'm going to say this kid's an absolute, you know, yeah. he's, a, he's a beast. But no, nah, I think, um, I don't think he, he's there yet. Um, you know, I feel like we should definitely prioritize Jason and Jalen if we're in a situation like that, but in terms of his maturity, um, and what he's shown on the court and, you know, his decision-making and his confidence, like you can kind of tell some guys do not want that shot. Um, they would really, you know, some of them look like they don't even want to be on the floor being, being in that position. Um, I feel like he's someone mentally, he looks like he's, he's Ready for that moment, he's ready to take that shot and he wouldn't second guess himself. Um and I will tell you this, I'd rather him take it over a few guys on the team if that makes sense. Yeah. Um he's probably a few of uh, he's ahead of a few other guys um that have been on the team for a few years, so um he wouldn't be the worst guy to take it. But obviously if I had had to choose anyone, it would be run the ISO for Jason. But um yeah.
1: Yeah, of course, of course. But yeah, I mean I love the Like, just the testicular fortitude of Pritchard. Like, today, he looked off Tatum. Tatum was wide open. The ball was zipping around the perimeter. Pritchard caught it at the top of the three-point arc, and and Tatum was one pass away, wide open. And there was a defender closing out on on Pritchard, and Pritchard just jacked the shot. And he missed it, but I I respect that. (laughs) You know, like, he's a rookie. Tatum is the man. And he was just like, fuck it. I'm just putting it up there. And I don't know. I think that kind of confidence for a guy who clearly has the ability in a year or two with some of that experience he's kind of already got the maturity um yeah i'm i'm hopeful that if not as the starting point guard for the Celtics that he's you know the first guy off the bench because uh he he certainly seems to to have what it takes um few other points to get to here reddit user Forzarine wrote getting 0 minutes of shammy and only 1 minute of grant was like a bomb to my soul um Romeo Legford was kind of like flavor of the month there, Aiden, when he when he came back from his many many injuries, and like since then he's he's had in the last few games he's had very few minutes. He didn't play at all tonight. Well, what's going on there?
0: Yeah, ironically, Romeo, even after all of that, you know, does this dude even exist? He's still a little bit of a mystery on the court. Yeah, um, <laughs> in terms of his playing time, um, he. Yeah, it's strange because some games he's playing, you know, 15 minutes a game. Um, he's one of the first guys off the bench. Um, I think he looks good defensively. He's he's long. He um he has size. He, he you know, he can get to the spots uh, at the right times and all of that. Um, he kind of gets in the passing lanes a lot as well. Um, I think offensively it's a bit of an issue. Like he's had some stinkers where he's like 0 for 6 or 0 for 4 or 1 for 7 or something like that. Um, You know, if they they, they leave him open, he takes it. But I think, you know, that's where, where, where we are now. And I think coming towards the end of the season, um, rotations should be tightening up a little bit. Um, even though we should be giving a lot of our guys rest, um, the playoffs is going to be really interesting when it comes to playing time for these guys, because you have guys like, uh, you know, and you have Peyton Pritchard and you have Fournier and, um, You know, even Grant Williams. I mean, Grant Williams was playing like 20 minutes a game off the bench last postseason. Yeah. Um, which is why when people say to us like, Oh, the Celtics had these guys, the Celtics had these guys. I'm like, what do you know about Brad Wanamaker (laughs) playing 26 minutes a game (laughs) against like the the best or second best defense in the league? Like (laughs) we really stretched it. We really stretched it out last year. And I think that that's what was so good about having Fournier, but, um, I think I sent you a message about this before, you know, it's going to be really interesting seeing guys like Romeo semi these guys all bring different things to the table, but I really do believe in the post season, our rotation is probably going to be trimmed to eight or nine guys, max. Yeah. Has to be. Um, yeah. Tristan's a lock Evan. I mean, bearing, he really still looks off his game. Evan's a lock. These are two guys who seem like locks off the bench. I think Peyton has more than earned his minutes over the um, past few months. This season, he's been solid. Um, and then really, it's kind of whatever it is from there, you know, you know, is Romeo going to get minutes in the, in the postseason? Is that why they're not, you know, giving him as many minutes now? It's a little bit like the whole Jabari Parker thing, which is also really interesting because that guy has been, I mean, he's been, he's been, he's been better than I've expected. Yeah. Um, also didn't play tonight. Uh, he didn't play tonight as well, which yeah. is really strange. Hey, it's almost like Brad knew, but I mean, I can't really say that. He did start Tremont, Tremont Waters, so um, it's really hard to gauge. Hey, you know, Absolutely. Brad's a guy who seems like Brad seems like he doesn't want to screw like the bench rotation up, so he'll throw like Carson in the starting lineups. I mean, we I think we played the Clippers and we had a few guys out and he was like, Carson Edwards is starting. And I'm like, I haven't seen Carson Edwards on the floor all year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think it, the rotations have just, you know, been really strange. And I think I read something as well that said this was like, or it might've been the OKC game, like the 29th different rotation we've put out this year or something, the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And I mean, far out, man, this talk, I know we have injuries, COVID, but um, it's just really inconsistent in terms of, you know, who we, who we have ready and who's kind of playing on the floor for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The the rotation side of things is mind boggling. And and Brad, you know, um I don't want to say fortunately, but he's always sort of blessed us with that kind of weirdness from him and, and how he sort of manages rotations when we have players injured. But yeah, I mean, I'm obviously not a professional basketball coach, but the <laughs> idea of like promoting your third four string guard to the starting lineup. Rather than just like bumping everyone up one level, like bumping Pritchard up to the starting guard and Tremont up to the the backup guard, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Obviously, it worked today, and um, Scow did make a point that you know the game would come easier to to Tremont Waters playing with the starters as opposed to you know playing with all of the third stringers, and that, that definitely seemed to be the case today. And you know while his stats don't jump off the page, we're fortunate to have a Tremont Waters game where like he's not sticking out like a sore thumb like he was just fine he was just average and adequate and that's really all we needed from him given the company that he had on the court so but yeah I agree with you the rotations are very confusing and I look forward to some consistency there heading into the the postseason and uh yeah with Fournier healthy with Kemba healthy you know there should be a really nice tight-knit sort of seven to eight man rotation there that we can look forward to um interesting start on Kemba talking about his health heading into the the postseason Um, he's missed a few games recently because, you know, beyond the knee issue he's had, I think it was like the torso issue, they're calling it, or the the oblique issue. Um, his field goal percentage on drives prior to the All-Star game, 41%. I just looked this up before the podcast because I was just doing some, just like searching for interesting stats to to present on this podcast. So, prior to the All-Star game, field goal percentage on drives, 41%. After the All-Star game, or since the All-Star game, 58%. On, on drives, field goal percentage was wow. a huge, huge increase in in success there on, on drives for Kemba Walker. So, you know, you, you add that aspect that Kemba Walker is like, it's clearly demonstrating better health and better return to form. Maybe you incorporate the fact that Evan Fournier will eventually recover. Maybe he gets the same inhaler that Jason Tatum has been given. Um, and we start to sort of round out that healthy top seven, top eight. Maybe, maybe there's some... Cause for optimism there heading into the playoffs, um, and that's a good, I think, point to stop and segue into our next point, Aiden, which is the the path to the fourth seed for the Celtics. So, mm-hmm. I think it's time to sort of talk about you know seating wise. Like if if you like me, I've just been away on holidays for the last week, and you don't glance at the seating for a week, and you come back and you're sort of discombobulated and you have no idea what's what's going on. Um, at this point, the Celtics are the sixth seed. Aiden, do like do you do you think the Celtics are going to finish the season out at the six seed, or do you, do you feel confident they're going to jump up to five or maybe four? Or how do you feel about that?
0: Well, if you had asked me a week ago, I would have said the four seed. I'm super confident. And then on the same day, we lose to a really injured Charlotte team. Uh, the Hawks beat a full full strength Bucks without yeah. Trey. <laughs> I mean, um, then it's like okay, like this is not this isn't supposed to happen. It's not happening. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, Yeah, I I still have confidence that we can jump up to the 4-5 seed. I think um, Bogdan Bogdanovic is... I don't know what his injury is. I think it was a hamstring injury, maybe. Um, Seems like there's been a ton of them. It might not be a hamstring injury, but I think he's he's out, or he didn't play today. I think they played... Was it today or yesterday? I think it was today they played Detroit. Um, So I think the Hawks dropping... I mean, a lot of their guys have been playing excellent as well. Clint Capella has been excellent. Bogdanovich has been a really nice spot for them since Trey's gone down. Um, and they've obviously been playing well since Nate McMillan's taken over as head coach with the departure of Lord- Lloyd Pierce. Um, which is a little frightening. But um, I think uh, I think Atlanta can drop. We have a pretty easy schedule. We have the fifth easiest schedule, fourth or fifth easiest schedule. We only play a few more teams over 500. Fortunately, we play those teams. I think the only team we don't play um, at home that's over 500 out of the three of the nine remaining or whatever it is are the Knicks, ironically, and that's the last game of the season. So we play Portland. Portland, I think, is the next game or or San, San Antonio is the next game. Um, and then I think we play Portland, and then I think you know it's the Minnesotas and Touchwood. You know that last game was a bit frightening for us as well. But um, they we we do have on paper an easier path to stringing some wins together as opposed to some guys who were kind of duking it out with like like an Atlanta and like a Knicks. You know the Knicks play like play Utah, play the Clippers. I think they they, oh, they have a bunch of teams that are that are above five hundred. Um, So it's it really is going to be a day by day thing. I personally feel like we can put something together over these last nine games. I would not be surprised if like we're the fifth seed by half a game. Um, And being the fourth seed and being the fifth seed with these standings is 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 a world of difference. Yeah, you know, totally. It's whether whether you play um, what's most likely going to look like a fully healthy Bucks team. Um, with some, you know, fantastic players because those guys have had their fair share of, you know, injuries and COVID, you know, Drew was out. So I think they're going to be a tough team in the first round or you play a Knicks who I also think will be tough because I think, you know, Thibs, a well-coached defense. Um, some of those guys have been having really underrated seasons. You know, RJ Barrett's been playing fantastic. Um, Julius Randle, obviously having a breakout season. um, I think it's so important that we fall in that four to five spot. Obviously four would be the most preferable. And if you ask me who I'd rather play in the second round out of Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee, personally that's a pretty easy answer. I'd rather the sixes in the second round. Um that might, yeah, it be little, <laughs> that might be a little biased, but I mean I mean look, those those guys have been been doing so good with Doc this year. Um, Joel Embiid's looking Pretty much as unstoppable as anyone has looked over the past few years. Um, And it would crush my soul to see that man, you know, drop 45 on us and go to the line. Finally beat us in the playoffs. Oh, I mean, it would be a great story for them, but not for us because we've kind of been their kryptonite, you know, over the last few years. Wouldn't it be amazing if we
1: somehow beat them again? That's kind of like, you know, the season has been insanely depressing. Like what a way to what a way to turn things around. The Celtics knock off the the very promising MVP, you know, wielding 76ers and, and make it into the conference finals if that were to be the case. That's uh that's what I'm aiming for in my mind. That's what I think about when I go to sleep every night. We need to beat the Sixers <laughs> again. <laughs>
0: Well, for one, I'll tell you, I I don't know, you know me, I'm super vocal in terms of like a lot of those guys, not trying to make a rivalry or anything. I know we already have one with them, but those guys, you know, oh, we're the first seed, we're so so much better in this. And it's kind of like that James Franco meme, like, oh, first seed, like first time, like we've been the first seed and then been like absolutely destroyed by LeBron in the conference finals. Like being a, a top seed is like, Really not that important in terms of guaranteeing your way to the finals, you know, and as Celtics fans, we would understand that probably just as much as anyone or, yeah. or the Raptors or anything, um, you know, you get a rough matchup, you know, the Bucks got a rough matchup in, in round two, there were a 60 odd win team, so nothing is guaranteed, especially when it comes to the postseason. Um, but what really kind of like, what I don't get is I see a lot of stuff on Reddit, uh, even, f- you know, speaking amongst friends, you know, cause I have a lot of friends that watch play ball. We're always talking. Everyone is saying like, how can anyone like stop and beat? And I'm like, well, is this guy like, did he not play basketball for the past three years? And every time like he went to the playoffs, like, do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like he has how been can we stopped. stop and yeah, yeah. Or, or this guy, like, if I recall correctly, this guy's put up thirty six a game and, and lost by fifteen in the first round to us. Like, it's so much more. is going to have to be firing for them. They're going to obviously need need a healthy Ben Simmons. Um, Tobias Harris has been, you know, I'm not trying to be not trying to throw shade, but he's been one of the worst playoff guys um, of a player of his caliber over the last few years. Those guys have a lot to prove. You know, they have a lot to prove. Doc has a lot to prove because he's last, you know, close to decade. He's had a pretty shifty coaching resume over in LA as well. So they have a lot of guys who have a lot to prove. Um, Maybe they're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder and surprise everyone. Um, But if you ask me, you know who I'd rather in the second round out of those three, um, you know, upper echelon teams, it's definitely Philly because of what they've shown us previously. And I definitely do not think that, uh, I'm not going to say Embiid is not a difference maker because that sounds crazy, but it's not like, oh, we, are we don't have an, we, Luke Cornette, Tristan Thompson and Rob Williams, because we have those guys instead of say a, I mean, I don't know, man, someone else who could, a Miles Turner, <laughs> We're, we're gonna lose the series. Like no one can stop Embiid because you know Embiid has you know done his thing, and the Sixers as a whole previously haven't shown that they have what it takes. Um, me personally, I think to be a deep playoff team, you need two guys who can give you twenty plus every night, no matter what. Sure, you need two guys. That, that's my opinion. You need two guys who can give you twenty, no matter what. Um, Chris Middleton's been a bit iffy as well but I mean he's a guy with Giannis obviously you have Bam and Jimmy I mean Brooklyn (laughs) they have three guys who can give you 30 and obviously the Celtics have a few guys who can give you 20 plus those guys I mean Tobias Harris Ben Simmons I know they're a lot better um, in terms of their bench this year their roles are more defined but um it's it's really interesting, you know, it sounds crazy saying you want to play the one seed if you, if you do make it to the second round. Um, but with the way that Brooklyn's been looking, especially being, you know, shorthanded, do not want those guys to get the first seed if you're in the, you know, same, same end of the bracket.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And it, with how the season's gone, a loss to the Nets in the conference finals, you'd, you'd call that a successful season. If we walk away Most from definitely. it like that, that's completely fine. Um the Sixers in the second round, the fact that you can sag off Ben Simmons, and this is the playoff teams who have played the Sixers have shown this time and time again since the beginning of Ben Simmons' career. You can sag off of him. You know, he can't shoot. <laughs> so when it comes to defending or with, uh, applying help defense to someone like Joel Embiid, the fact that you can kind of pull the defender away from Ben Simmons on the perimeter and drop that defender down to double-team Joel Embiid, that's the, the sort of playoff scheming or the sort of defensive scheming that you only really see in the playoffs and not from regular season games. So yes, Embiid has had this sort of MVP season. I'm not discounting that he's been fantastic. He's been Shack-like with an outside shot for sure. But definitely, the playoffs is a completely different beast. And Brad Stevens has shown that he has this incredible ability to uh, scheme against players like Joel Embiid. You know these these top uh, tier, these high echelon players in the playoffs throughout his you know, seven or eight year tenure with the Celtics so far. So, if we get to the second round and we meet the the Sixers there, I'd be um, cautiously optimistic, but the... The downside is that if we lose to them, it's, it's more of a sort of catastrophic emotional disaster for Celtics fans than anything we've seen, maybe ever in our lives. <laughs> so we, we do potentially wounds, have that man. to deal with.
0: Salt in the wounds. I won't be able to show my face for a while if they beat us. <laughs> but, yeah, but, um, yeah,
1: yeah. I'll cancel my internet if that happens. Um, if you're listening, though, and you're like me and you kind of have no idea. Um, what the seeding situation is and what to expect uh, between now and the end of the season. So, just very quickly, the current playoff picture: the Nets, Sixers, Bucks, pretty firmly in the one, two, three spot. Uh, those guys might shuffle a little bit, particularly the Nets and Sixers, but for the most part, for the Celtics, those spots are out of reach. The, the Knicks are the four seed. They've got a thirty-five and twenty-eight record. The Hawks are one game behind in the fifth spot. They've got a thirty-four and twenty-nine record. One game behind them, the Celtics, the sixth seed at 33 and 30. And the Heat, sort of, they've got the seventh seed, but they're essentially tied with the Celtics also at 33 and 30. And the Hornets are the eighth seed, two games behind that at 30, 32. Uh, if the playoffs started today, we'd face the uh, Bucks. They're the three seed, we're the sixth seed. That would not be good from a, from a first round perspective, particularly as, like you said before, Aiden, we could potentially face the Knicks or the Hawks instead. Um, of the Knicks' nine remaining games, they play some tough teams, including the Nuggets, Suns, Clippers, Lakers, and us, the Celtics. If they lose to all of those strong teams and the Celtics, they'd finish with a 39-33 and 33 record. The Hawks have a pretty easy final nine games. The only really strong teams they face are the Sixers and the Suns, but let's say they drop their one game to the Blazers as well, who are jockeying for playoff position. They'd finish 40-32. and 32. So the Celtics, like you said, Aiden, they have a pretty lax final nine games. If they can keep their heads about it, they play the Spurs, Blazers, Magic, Bulls, the Heat twice, the Cavs, the Wolves, and the Knicks. All extremely winnable games. Um, Optimistically, though, let's say they drop one of those games to the Heat and one other brain fart loss. So they go seven and two in their last nine. They finish at 40 and 32, which is tied with that projected Hawks finishing record I mentioned a second ago. But the Hawks have the tiebreaker after pummeling the Celtics a couple of times through the regular season. So if those three scenarios were to play out, uh, the Knicks for the Knicks and the Hawks and the Celtics, we'd finish with the fifth seed and play the Hawks in the first round, which is definitely not a bad matchup for a healthy Celtics team. Um, we'd need to finish like eight and one to realistically have a really good chance at taking the fourth spot at this point. And from what we've seen from the Celtics team, I don't know if they have the ability to have a consistent eight and one sort of stretch particularly at this point in the season while we're trying to get guys healthy for the playoffs while we're trying to rest guys it doesn't seem likely so you know we sort of titled the segment the past of the fourth seed but really I think for the celtics it's more like past of the fifth seed and then have confidence that you can win some playoff games on the road uh against the Hawks in the postseason in the first round there does that seem sort of realistic
0: to you Aiden yeah, the path to not playing Giannis and Drew Holiday in round one yeah. <laughs> and Chris Middleton, which would be, honestly, I mean... Or the Knicks, th- even, at this three- point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, my my favorite matchup in round one is, at, uh, is Atlanta. Um, I believe that Trey might not get the same calls. I mean, those guys, ugh, out of all of those guys who's really had playoff experience, I mean, there's Clint Capella. Yeah, um, I don't think Nate McMillan has won a series as a head coach since since forever I mean I know all of his Indiana days they were they were first round losses um, so I feel like the experience prevails there um, they have some really dangerous players I mean they have some good players if they're healthy there's guys like DeAndre Hunter um, you know those guys are good defenders he's having a great year as well so it's not like there'd be some pushover team that I'd feel like we'd run through, but out of all of those matchups, I think Atlanta's the, um, Atlanta's the favorite. And I would not mind seeing uh, 40 minutes a game of Marcus Smart on Trey Young, even though, even though Trey has been phenomenal this year. um, And when he's played us, he's been extra phenomenal. You know, he, he, he's, he's unbelievable that guy. Um, And they have some good players, you know, Clint Capella's playing really well. John Collins is playing well. And ever since that coaching change, Atlanta's playing well. But I think that would be the best matchup for us. And like I said, I really do feel like um, Trey might not get the same calls that he would get in the regular season. And that's like my, my, my feeling with the Sixers as well. Embiid, I feel like, might not get the same calls. And with the whole sagging off Ben Simmons and, and playing off guys, um, the game really slows down in the postseason. It um, becomes more of a half-court half game. And I think that's definitely when you play a team like Philly, most teams would have an advantage that they might not have in the regular season, For sure. Um, you know, with the schemes and all of that and preparing for guys and adjusting, you know? And I think Brad is a coach, you know, like guys like Spo and all of that who have proven they can adjust throughout a series. Um, I don't know if we've really seen that from a guy like Nate McMillan um, throughout his, you know, Pacers days. They might not have been the most talented teams. And I know there were... um, pretty pretty banged up when we played them two years back in the first round but um yeah Atlanta's definitely who I'd want it'd be nice if we had home court home court to be honest um I feel like it'd make it a bit easier but yeah if things go right I mean like I said before if you asked me a week ago about being the fourth seed I would have said sure like that's in our range I mean we were a game behind uh we, we were the fourth seed a good week or two ago, weren't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was close. Yeah. It, it was close, but it was like, sure, we have a favorable schedule compared to some of the other guys in the East in our range. Um, so it was like, sure. And then, I mean, we're losing to the Bulls without Sac Levine, where, you know, I, I, I expected us to 100% drop one of the uh, Brooklyn Phoenix games. Um, there's a back-to-back, but I thought we'd lose to, um, Phoenix and then beat, you know, a short, short short-ended Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. But, um, we've just, I think these few games have been really important that we've lost, you know, the, um, the Hornets loss, the OKC loss, the Bulls loss have kind of thrown us out, like you said, of realistically going for that fourth seed. And I mean, home court against New York, Atlanta. Miami even uh, is, a bit, is a bit shaky because I still am not fully convinced that those guys can't be a threat to anyone in the first round. Yeah, I agree. Um, d- definitely not a team, no matter where you're seated in the East. Miami, I feel like it's not a team that you want to play in round one. And it would be pretty ironic if the Bucks got them in round one, which seems like it could be a possibility as well. Yeah, um, absolutely.
1: And like for, for what it's know, worth, uh, the Heat, they have a... They're worth mentioning because if we drop below the Heat, then we drop into playoff tournament territory, which would be terrible just in terms of what our expectations were throughout the season. But uh, for the Heat, they've got a double-double against the Celtics, like we mentioned, throughout the the next nine games. They also play the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Mavericks in their final nine. So one of the more difficult remaining um, nine-game stretches of the teams we've mentioned so far. But you know Pat Riley, the the mystique of Pat Riley, right? Of Spo as a coach, the, the adjustments, and and just the the overall success of of that team over the last few years, like they they can't be discounted. And there is uh you know some likelihood that we do drop below them into that seventh spot, and you know get into the playoff tournament. But then potentially we're playing you know the the Nets or the Sixers in the first round, and. Maybe that's our path to, to playing the Sixers and knocking them out of the playoffs prematurely. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not the, the worst thing in the world. But um, I think we've seen, like just to wrap this up, we've seen everything this season and the, the sort of roller coaster of emotions and expectations has been uh, sort of you know, obviously very up and down as roller coasters are. Uh, and I just, I personally feel like I'm completely desensitized to, to whatever might happen. And I've never really said this before with regards to an NBA season, but a little bit, I'm just looking forward, like to it being over, right, and moving on, and seeing guys like Tatum and Brown, and you know, Neesmith Smith and and Fournier getting a full off season to to get their win back, to rest, to, to practice, and and try and find some they there heading into another full NBA season because you know as much as we'd like to talk about us potentially knocking out the sixers and having some sort of playoff success it really doesn't seem like it's going to happen it really just seems like we need that off season so i'm i'm kind of just looking forward to it being over in that sense does that resonate with you at all Aiden?
0: yeah definitely i do have i do have 2019 vibes in a way yeah. because we went on a stretch in 2019 as well where like do you I don't know if you remember do you remember that long plane ride where everyone was, was <laughs> were they playing cards and Kyrie and everyone and then and then we won four in the west coast I was actually at a few of those games but I remember oh, nice. <laughs> I was in Vegas and we got blo- we got blown out by by Houston and then and then they'd won like four or five on the road, like in in California, like they played that whole stretch there. Yeah, it was that like Golden State game like,
1: where Gordo scored like thirty something points, and they all looked amazing again.
0: Yeah, and the, but then he got the buzzer beater the next night in Sacramento, yeah, and then right. they beat the Clip or they beat the Lakers. And then it, it was the same thing. What a lot of we we like you know a lot of the guys have been saying lately with this team, like oh we have that notch, you know seven and three in the last ten, and then we go on and lose. Three out of four easy games. So, uh, yeah, I do agree with you. It definitely hasn't come across like this team has the consistency that it did last year. And maybe it's all the uncertainty with injuries and COVID and it just being a weird season, you know, no fans. So, you know, next year, uh, hopefully we can be a bit more optimistic in that, you know, the Celtics would be a bit more healthier, a bit more consistent, guys developing. Um. You know, that's something I definitely do share that, you know, same sentiment. But I do want to ask you, what is your prediction, you know, rolling into the playoffs? Where do you you think we'll seed? And who do you think will play round one if we go on to round two, um, et cetera?
1: Yeah, so fifth seed finish, I think. Uh, I think we'll be a second round exit, which I think, (laughs) you know, all things considered, I think that's fine if we can somehow finish with a, you know, um, non-playoff tournament seed if we can somehow plan and scheme and play ourselves through a first-round playoff series uh, and sort of have a humble exit in the second round, I think that um, that would almost be exceeding expectations at this point. Um, that's my prediction. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree. And I th- I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I, th- I feel like we... I feel like we will get the favorable 4 to 5 um you know 4 or 5 seed first round. I feel like we we will beat whoever's in front of us whether it's Atlanta or whether it's New York, if it's Miami that's a bit different. Um I'm not sure who I'd take in that series but um and then second round I yeah, I do feel I do feel like we you know, we will for sure, for sure. I'm not entirely convinced though, that we can't pull something out of the hat against Philly <laughs> if it's Brooklyn. I mean, those guys are a different story, but um I'm, I'm kind of on the same, you know, same, same train as you with this.
1: Yeah. I, you mentioned 2019 before I, I'm reminded of that now. And I feel like we're all like a little bit more hardened as fans where All of 2019, I was sort of preaching, oh, we're we're fine, we've got this, we've got a a switch to flip in the playoffs, like, it's all going to be fine. And then, I think we had uh, Ryan Bernardoni, Danger Card, on the podcast, and he was like, no, definitely not, we're going to go out in the second round. (laughs) And of course, we did, It's exactly what happened. And so, I just can't, like, sort of elevate myself to, to that standpoint again. Like I'm just too, I've seen too much shit, you know? So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, hope that, I hope that you're right. I hope that we do surprise everyone and particularly our opponents. And uh, we do see some sort of deep playoff success. But Aiden Rosé, we've been talking for an hour now. That's not bad for your first podcast, mate. I uh, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks again for joining us.
0: No, no problem, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I had awesome fun. And hopefully our guys can, you know, put something together and finish the season as strong as they can. <laughs>
1: yeah absolutely well we'll see and hopefully we'll have you back on at some point in the postseason to talk about it further folks that's going to do it for this one thank you all for joining us we're looking forward to podcasting our way through these final nine nine games and hopefully talking to to Aiden again throughout that stretch Uh, until next time go Celtics peace